0: At T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently, so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5G, number one in customer satisfaction, and a partner who includes 5G in every plan, so you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. Open Signal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network, USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device acquired Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards.
1: Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero.
2: Pete, bad news.
1: Uh, what happened?
2: I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad.
1: How's that in my
2: problem? Oh, my laptop was up there too.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up, I can access your stuff remotely, you won't miss a meeting.
2: I really wanted that latte, Pete.
1: For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection.
3: Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business.
4: Welcome to episode 14 of Bring in the Closers. After back-to-back recording sessions last week, we are slightly ahead of schedule. If you looked at the progress chart... We somehow got ahead of ourselves. I don't know how, but it's working out well with some of the travel that I have coming up and you have coming up. And uh, you, of course, is my trusty sidekick, co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the greatest closer this side and that side of the Mississippi himself, the one, the only, Ben Samuels.
3: At least I'm on the correct side of the Mississippi. I wouldn't want to be on the east side. Once you get out on the east side of the Mississippi, I think I think there's something like it's it, there's something in the water. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something over there. I,
4: No offense to to Tim Cotsman who came on a few weeks ago. No disrespect.
3: You know, I don't even think he would claim being east of the Mississippi (laughs) yet. He's brand new. You know, (laughs) talk to him in like a year maybe, but at this point, he's probably still claiming Texas. I don't know.
4: (laughs) Yeah, he's forced. He's forced east of the Mississippi. (laughs) So, Ben, uh, man, how's it been going? It's been a crazy few week. uh, I say few weeks. Crazy week last week. I was traveling. You was we were driving and trying to link up between hot spots, dead spots, and everywhere in between. How was the week, buddy?
3: You know, it was good. I had a number of things happen uh, since last time we we did this. Uh, I guess you know, last time we recorded two episodes. But uh, we're currently recording. What is it, October seventh? Um, if people were listening to the like the September episodes, they would think that I'd be in Japan right now. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make that trip happen. Uh, you know, one of those things, adulting uh, adulting in life is, uh, can be tough. Had a number, you know, it's a good problem to have, but I had a couple of closings that were going um, be going on. Had a couple of really big deals that I've been working on that really I had to have a finger on the pulse. And so it just wasn't a smart decision for me to be across the other side of the world, 14 hour time difference. I know when I told you, you told me something about I needed to get my crap together. But uh, <laughs> I love the what humble are you brag.
4: Do? I love the homebreak. Well, look, I was going to go on a trip for like three weeks to Japan. was going to go tour the whole island, but I had this cash checks, so I stayed home. Hashtag adulting. I like how you presented that. You marketed it. You packaged it well. Uh, I, I, that, that was smooth. I mean, I got to give you props. That was smooth. You almost had me fooled, but it's the truth, though. So, I mean, the truth is the truth, so good for you.
3: You know, sales is really easy when all you have to do is speak the truth. I don't really, I mean, I don't have I don't. to make anything up. It's right, it's right here in front of me. All I have to do is tell you what's happening. You know, I'm telling you, if you listen to like the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world, they tell you all you got to do is pick up a phone and talk into it for a couple minutes and then press press post and you'll get a lot of followers. Maybe I need to start doing that. Actually, you and I were talking about that yeah. over the last couple of weeks, yeah. try, trying to maybe get a little bit more out there. I think you and I are, to a different degree, but I think you and I kind of try to emulate the under the radar, uh, you know, and uh, you just kind of execute on a quiet level. Although you, sir, you, you know, you talk about me, but uh, I wanted to turn the tables a little bit. Uh-oh. So can we talk about the fact that
4: in a hold couple on, weeks now I don't from now, know if I like this. I, don't know if I like this. Couple,
3: in a couple of weeks from now, you're going on an all-expense-paid trip across the world to China. To do some business development that is true then you're then you're working on something i'm not going to spill the beans but you're working on something that could be pretty lucrative and could be pretty fun to work with in south africa yes you're also going to somewhere in the caribbean i forget where nicaragua so uh going to nicaragua and then there's a third place that i'm forgetting
4: Well, i'm going to Um, denver like tomorrow which by the time time this airs so i got nicaragua denver south africa
3: I mean, granted, Denver, like compared to DFW, Denver is like across the world. That is true. <laughs> um, but can can we talk about the fact that you're, you know, that you're not only killing it in the DFW area, you've got a footprint in the Permian, you, you're not running a number of businesses, but now you're actually expanding like literally worldwide. So I guess all of all of what I'm saying is we're on episode 14 today, and you gave a pretty aggressive intro for me this uh, this morning. Um, Next week, I think we're going to need to flip the script a little bit and give yourself a little bit of the, a uh, little bit more attention than you deserve because uh, someone has been quietly executing at a pretty high level.
4: I mean, it's all true. I mean, what, what do we say? It's it's all true. No, yeah, you know, Ben, it's it's funny because um, one of the, I didn't create this slogan, but one of the things I do believe in is having a lot of lines in the water, and I always use that analogy. And I try to keep a lot of lines in the water, as you know. Some of those lines go good. Some of those lines I get frustrated with, and I'll call you, is this worth my time? Or I think I'm putting a new line out, and I should be doing this. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned kind of Gary V or some of those guys. They'll say they're not overnight successes, and not that I'm anywhere near the level of fame or success those guys are. But it really, for me, is it's just about, I have a lot of lines in the water. You can't read the whiteboard back here, probably. But if you could, it'd be a bunch of stuff that I'm brainstorming about. You know, stuff that, to do, and I don't know how else to describe it than that. But if you, uh-oh, don't, no, 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 Nate's moving it. Put it, pull it back, Nate. Can't give away all my trade secrets just yet. But um, but you know, and that's just stuff that maybe we'll go with, maybe we won't. But it's ideas, things. I'm, I,
3: I'm sorry. Does it say insert text here?
4: Yes. Yes. Generic
3: title there. Is yes. That, yes. No, please.
4: No. Yeah. Good still ben's idea is the third thing um (laughs) but you know it's really just a lot of lines in the water and we joke i think second third episode i joked to you about your close rate and we've kind of talked about that offline a lot but the reality is is there's plenty of lines that just the worm dies on the hook and nothing ever bites and so these are just things that i've um kind of kept you know kept bumping and eventually got a few bites on so we'll see how they how they uh, proceed moving forward
3: so, Ryan, I'm curious, uh, you know, since you, since you mentioned it, I wanted to see if you wanted to talk a little bit about, I know in the, in the previous episodes, we've talked quite a bit, uh, you know, at length about communication tactics and how to be actively listening and all, and all these kind of things. But one of the things that I don't think that we've really touched on as much, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on, so what are some of the things when you're walking into a meeting, let's say that you're trying to get business from somebody. So now we're not just talking about putting a deal together and trying to add value. You know, when you're when you have the R Square Global hat on, what are some of the things that you're thinking about walking into a meeting about how to present yourself, how to pr- um, provide, you know, how to you know quickly present the value that you can bring? What are some of the things that you're thinking about offline in your own head before even walking into to a sales meeting like that?
4: Okay, so yeah, if if I was going on a sales meeting for R Square Global. Um, the first thing I would do if I was going to meet with uh, Ben Samuels, would just use you, I, I would, so I'd, obviously I know who you're working for. So I'm going to look up the company, and I'm going to do a, I'm just going to type in the company's name in Google, and see what the, new, go to news, see what the top two or three stories are, because I need to know about that. Um, then I'm going to go look you up on LinkedIn, I'm going to see where you went to college. Now, I happen to college follow college sports pretty religiously, so that's kind of easy for me. But um, you went to, I'm trying to remember now, Is it was it uh, Boston University? I'm trying to remember where you went to. Where, where did you go to? Reds.
3: Northeastern, correct
4: city, wrong. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but let's say you went to Texas A&M or, or Texas or, or wherever, somewhere, you know, has a more of a football presence. I would I'd kind of have that locked in um, so it's football season as well. Um, but if it was basketball season, whatever it was, I would go to the college. I'd look at that. Um, so I, I want to equip myself with two or three things to get the meeting from strictly business to low-key uh, more conversational as naturally as I can. And so I can do that through oh my gosh, I saw y'all stock price went through the roof. must be a good time around here something like that or I walk into the office to see the diploma. oh wow, you, you coach you're a Missouri graduate. Derek Dooley used to coach at Louisiana Tech and I grew up being a big fan of Louisiana Tech and now he with the Cowboys. he's kind of a controversial guy. What do you guys think of him up there in Missouri? you know um, so I, I'm going in with uh, two or three things and those are easy, those are easy things for me. If it was something like, uh, you know, cricket or rugby, I'd obviously struggle. I don't know anything about those sports. But uh, I try to have two or three things. Um, and then I'm looking for their office as well. Do they have a big deer head on the wall? Do they have fishing? Do they have family? I probably won't touch the family, but, you know, um, I might I might go there if it goes. So I'm looking for, before I, before I see them, two to three things to kind of get off of the very business feel of the meeting. And then when I'm in there, I'm trying to figure out is there a natural way to bring those to bear to – talk about things that aren't just me selling you and then so if one of the things before you before you move on one of the things that i think is really important um,
3: that i don't I, i don't get the sense that a lot of people do this and i think it's really valuable it can be so valuable just to like you said put the company's name in google and if you can offhandedly talk about a couple of the you know, current happenings in their company, if you can talk about the, you know, the deal that they just closed or, or the contract they just signed or or something that they have done in the recent past, that in and of itself I find is really valuable because that tells that tells them that you're paying attention, you've done your homework, you know the market, you know what's going on. Like that in and of itself, you know, just throwing something else, you know, throwing out something really quick that gets their attention It's just, like I said, current operations can be really valuable. That's something that I don't think is done nearly enough. And I, and I think that that in and of itself can really spark a whole conversation because you can talk about one thing and depending on how you structure kind of how you mention it, you can really easily dovetail into some really interesting things. And sometimes you kind of get, you know, then disarmed and they just start talking at you and you can, you can get a lot of information and you can glean a lot from from what they're talking about if you, and if you're able to kind of softball them something to get them going.
4: Right now, the only caveat to that I would add is if it's negative news. So, for instance, uh, if you remember two years ago, Pioneer stock fell like 20%. Uh, I won't lead with that. You know, I'm not going to lead with, "Hey, your stock, you know, your retirement's going out the window." But, but you know, I need to say that because I've I've told it to some people and they they, they took it a little too literally. So, um, I, I yeah, to get, focus on positive. It's getting a little getting a little tight in here. Right? Yeah. But uh, but I also do want to be aware if there is negative news like they had a pipeline explosion or um, you, know, w- you know whatever it is they're, they're, I do want to know about that because they might bring that up they might reference um, well look we would bring you in but right now we just had this deal over and so and so and I want to know about so and so so I can say oh yeah well w- what happened there or tell me about that or whatever because again that's getting them off of what I'm trying to sell them into something they're more familiar with so um, but that but good or so if it's good I try to bring it in if it's bad I try to make sure. Uh, i'm aware of it so the last thing i want to do is is go into a meeting and they just sold off um you know, uh, you know ten thousand acres in the permian and they're moving to the eagleford i'm going to talk about the permian assets right um and that could be a good thing or a bad thing depending on why they're selling it off but but so that information you're right it does it, it, listen think about this one of the things I think is kind of lost, uh, Ben, is a lot of people want to be a number one. They want to kind of be the entrepreneur the, uh, or you know, they want to be sales or do deals. The best person for those um, is the person who can serve as a number two. And here's what I mean by that. Um, when you interview someone, you want them to have researched your company. You want them to have known stuff about you. You want them to know, know about the market. So when you go to sell someone, you're essentially becoming their number two, if you will. And so you want to bring as much value in that first meeting as you possibly can. Um, And so the better you can do that, the more, the more uh, clearly you can communicate your, your value to them just by making them feel comfortable with you. Because if, they if they're not comfortable with you, it's going to be hard, unless you have something they have to buy. Um, it's going to be hard, at least for us it's been. The other thing for us that's important is that when we go to meetings, we don't always know if the person we're talking to is the person that can hire us. Because each company has someone different with a different title, different department, things like that. So to your original question, what is my goal if it's the first time meeting is to have those things and then to end the conversation with, is this the person that can hire me or not? That's usually all I'm trying to get to. Now I'm going to, you know, transition and push and you know, gear the conversation there. And then if that if I get to that pretty early, if that's a pretty easy thing where Ben offers up to me that he is a the person, then I have some secondary goals like we have to have MSA. Is, you know, how is that process like? Is that tough? Now, I'm not going to push that because I've achieved my primary goal, um, and then I can be conservative with their time, and I can get out. I don't need to get the home run. They're not going to hire me the first day. I know all that going in. Knowing all that, the goal the goalposts are pretty close. Is this the person to hire, if not who? If that goes – I'm talking really, really, really well – I might throw out the MSA at the end, and say, "Hey, by the way, Ben, you said that you, you know, uh, you guys might have some work. It's going great. Is the MSA process difficult?" that's all I ask is it difficult because sometimes it is difficult and sometimes it's not if it is difficult they will tell you yes it's very difficult it's very strenuous now i know that if i'm going to try to get work with these guys it's a very strenuous process the msa i'm depending on how they say that the tone how it's presented to me i might explore that a little more if they say oh no it's super easy it's just a day it's a it's a um, it takes about 20 minutes to fill out well if they say that and they're very upbeat about it i might throw out there well if that's the case, can we go ahead and get that sent over to my guy to have him look at it? I have a standard script I say there. We don't have any problem. I talk about we work for big companies, we work for small companies. We have, I mean, we have three or four things that hit, ta, 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 and I try to get the MSA right then. the end. Um, if it, but, that, but again, those are, I don't want to call them extremes, but they have to, it ha, I can't stress this enough, it has to be presented to me in a manner that I don't feel like when I hit them with, we, we do the MSA with me today, that they're going to feel like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to get them, because I don't want to get them back on that business mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah,
3: one of the things I love that you said right there is setting the goalposts because, you know, traditional in a sales meeting, a traditional close can be thought of okay, the person is writing me a check and I'm, or there's a transfer of goods. Mm-hmm. But in these meetings, especially in like what you're talking about, a, a close can be something a lot shorter than mm-hmm. that. It, it, can, it can be getting in the door, it can be just as simple as Getting past the gatekeeper—that can mm-hmm. be a win, that can mm-hmm. be a close—and so one of the things that I that I wanted uh, to dial back um, and talk a little bit more about, uh, maybe not necessarily specifically about R Square Global, because I think that that sales cycle is a little bit different. Sure. But you know, if you're a, if you're a traditional salesperson listening to the podcast, what are some of the things that you would recommend? What are some of the ways in your career that you have found to be the most effective to get past the gatekeeper? What are some of the ways that you have found? that you, you can get to the decision-maker the easiest, the best, the cleanest.
4: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I wish I said I had a, a standard answer. I have things that I do, and I'll kind of go through those. I don't know if any of these are, 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 are uh, going to be home runs for you. So I'll, I'll, I'll start, and, I'll, and I can softball, and I can –
3: I can let let's, let me – Let's softball this one up to you and you, you tell me how this sounds. Okay. So one of the things that I'm thinking about when, when I'm trying to get it past a gatekeeper is, okay, the gatekeeper's job is to cut out, cut out all the riffraff mm-hmm. to get rid of the noise, right? Their, their job is to make sure that anyone getting past them is someone you know that, that's actionable, that needs to talk to whoever mm-hmm. the, the point of contact is. And so a lot of times what I'll say to a, a gatekeeper is, you know, Ryan, I, I totally understand that. You know, your, your position here is to make sure that anybody that gets—and I'll say this—you know, anybody that gets past you is someone that's valuable, someone that's worth the time of you know of your manager or of you know whoever the, you know, the name or or what have right. you—and um, and I understand that. My job is to make sure that the information that I'm providing is communicated the right way, communicated the best way, and it's probably best to hear it from me. And so rather than play telephone and maybe you know, be misrepresented or, 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 you know, or even really just put the onus on you to explain what I'm trying to do to the person in charge, what would it look like if I just was able to get the email address of the person that, you know, that I'm trying to talk to? And I can copy you on the email, but at least that way the information is coming directly from me. And so that, that way, you know, I'm able to pre- present it, in the, um, you know, in the best way. Um,
4: yeah. Well, yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. So Go let me ahead. ask you this. When you're talking about gatekeepers, are you talking about like the, the secretary at the front desk? Or are you talking about uh, Bob, who you got referred to, but Bob the other person, but he's not going to give you over to, to Sally, who's the right person. So we're, wh- which yeah. kind of gatekeeper are you referring to there? And that's a great question. And I did
3: stumble you know, over that a little bit because that was totally on the fly. Sure, uh, but, sure, but sure. It, you know, I, th- I think that that message can be tweaked for, for both sides. I mean, yeah. it, in general, so, you know, if you're talking to the secretary or you're talking to the office assistant, really, I mean, a lot of times, and it sounds bad, and, and I don't want it to come off the wrong way, but a lot of times that person doesn't know enough to know how to how to frame something to their higher up, and so really they're just tasked with okay anybody that calls you anybody that emails you tell them to go away mm-hmm. rather than you know okay you can listen to their information and then distill it and tell me what I need to know, mm-hmm. it, uh, whereas the other you know on the, on the second side if it is a traditional number two you know a lot of times I will, I will pitch that person you know to kind of gain their tr- gain their trust gain their confidence and then again. You know, listen. I know that you're probably not the decision maker on this, and so what, you know, what do I need to do to make sure that this information is being presented the right way to John, or you know, or what have you? Um, sorry, I you were going to say
4: something. Oh, uh, yeah, well, no, uh, yeah. So let me, yeah, so if we talk about the office office manager, administrative assistant, whatever, one of the things that I know for me personally is when I've had uh, one of those type of people work for me, is that if they will come to me and say, "Hey, you need to see so and so." it's harder to tell that person no than it is to tell Ben no. Does that make sense? Like, Ben's calling, he wants to see me, he wants to see me, he wants to see me. I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, you know, the secretary comes in and says, hey, you. this is a really nice guy. Can you give him five minutes? It's really hard to to tell uh, that person, no, because she's with you or he's with you every day. They're talking to you. They kind of know. So getting the the goodwill of the gatekeeper, especially from the the secretarial administrative assistant position, is really important because they can actually be far more persuasive than the number two guy because the number two guy isn't always wanting to pitch because – his, his relationship's a little different. He has something to lose if it goes bad. The administrative assistant type, they don't really have a lot to lose because they're not involved in transactional deals and stuff like that, like you're saying a ago.
3: Yeah, and, and actually, that, that's a great point. Uh, and to clarify something, because I mean, I'm re, kind of replaying what I said in, in my head, one of the things that I think is really important is when I say getting around the gatekeeper or ways to get around them, Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about cutting them out of the, the chain of right. communication. I'm not, right. I'm not talking about circumventing them. I, I'm talking about what are some of the best ways to like get them on your team mm-hmm. so that they can walk into their higher ups office and be like, listen, this is someone that you need to talk to mm-hmm. because you know I think a lot of times you know the gatekeeper you know is tasked with telling people that are trying to get around them, hey, you know it, it's not the right time. But if you can be the like the one voice in the room that's saying, you know, hey Betty. I'm trying to get this accomplished. Here's what I know. Here's what I. Here's why I think it's valuable that your, you know, that your point of contact talks to me. What's the best way for me to get in front of them? That mm-hmm. kind of allows them to do their job, but also gives them a little bit of power. It feels like they're part of the decision-making process, and I think that that garners a lot of goodwill towards you as well.
4: You no, know, I agree, and I would say that um, one of the things, just for a couple of examples. Is we had a it was a large company, so the gatekeepers here um, weren't necessarily gatekeepers in the traditional sense. It was a company that has thousands and thousands of employees, but um, you know they did validate your parking, which isn't a big deal to me. It's I pay for the parking or whatnot. But every time we took out a client to lunch, we'd buy them a dessert every time. We'd buy them a dessert. Every time we'd buy them a dessert. Now I don't know who else was buying them dessert. Vendors were taking a lot of vendors were coming in here, but we bought them a dessert every single time. Now they were they were so far removed that they couldn't say, "Oh, you need to go talk to so and so here, so and so here." However, they would offer, "Who are you going to see today?" And we'd say that, and they would throw out things like, "Oh, wow, he's never in here. If he's meeting with you, it must be a big deal." Or you know, just, just those little tidbits. Now, sometimes that intel was good to know, sometimes it wasn't, but but that's more than I had, and I valued that. It cost me a, a cheesecake or a brownie or, or whatever, you know, then, then so be it. But so I think that when you look at people in a kind of administrative roles, sometimes they're devalued by the people inside the company. I mean, we all, I'm guilty of it, we're all guilty of it. So getting their favor is, is very helpful. And if, if you're trying to go to a small family office, let's say, there's only 10 people in the office and one of them is this administrative assistant, um, his or her information on, well, well Ben's actually Tuesday afternoons the best time to call him, you know, usually Tuesday afternoons, he doesn't have a lot going on. Do you know what I'd pay to know when to call certain people? I would pay good money if I knew when they weren't busy and I had a high chance that they mentioned the phone. So if that, so being nice to gatekeepers, um, for the administrative role, I think is, Devalued sometimes. It's talked about in a lot of sales books, but practically it's devalued. Um, but it's there is. I mean, seriously, if you think about some of the deals we're working on, if we knew we had people we're trying to get a hold of, they're hard to get a hold of. If we knew and they weren't busy regularly, we would call them during that time. But they don't tell us that, so we can't get on the phone with them. Right? And then if and to the go ahead. I was going to say, and then if you're talking about, you know, like the like the like the, uh, the CEO's right-hand guy, the number two, the COO, I think that's a little bit different. Um, and here's why. Because the administrative assistant, whomever, uh, he or her or whoever that is, they don't really have a lot to lose. The number two, the COO or the right-hand man, if he brings something to a CEO and it's not um, profitable or if it goes bad – He's fearing losing his job. So I think you have to make sure when you're working with that kind of a gatekeeper or a project manager who reports to the CEO, I think you're working with those kind of gatekeepers, you have to make sure that you are answering all of the questions that they're going to get asked. Making sure that because the CEO is going to be saying no, 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 no. You have to really sell them on why this is valuable. As you said, bring them along the process. But you have to think about their role. Here, you want me to go take something to my boss, and my boss might be a great guy. He might be the worst guy. It doesn't matter. He's still my boss. And if this goes badly, it's going to look bad on me. So you have to make sure that they are truly comfortable with the process and what you're trying to sell, pitch, whatever it may be. And sometimes I think salespeople, we get in there and we're like, oh, well, just take it out to Bob and I'll go sell Bob for you. And you don't think about the fact that when Ben sends me to Bob, there's a lot of pressure on Ben because if I go in there and Bob hates me, Ben you get a phone call into Bob's office going, dude, why did you send me that guy? And so I think we kind of, we kind of lose as you're saying, partnering with them and carrying them through that process.
3: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I don't think I'm trying to, I'm trying to on the fly. So I've got about probably a couple dozen at least, um, who, what I would qualify as gatekeepers or office managers that, you know, when I've got some t- downtime in Midland, I'll go grab, you know, a dozen breakfast burritos and make a quick run to a few different offices just to pop in, mm-hmm. face to you know, name to the face, you know, show that appreciation. And I cannot tell you how valuable it is to then be able to pick up the phone and talk to that person on a first name basis. And, be, and, and like you said, hey, you know, I'm trying to get in front of Bob. You know, I've been having a hard time over the last couple of weeks. You know, what's the schedule look like next week? Oh, you know what? He's out of town until Tuesday at two, but you know he's going to be in the office so, you know, the rest of the morning on Wednesday. So why don't you pop in and I'll tell him you're going to say hi. I mean, you know, you just got you just got yeah. the keys to the castle. You got the time that you can walk into the office, and not only that, you've got the person that, that's in his right ear saying I'm going to let him know that you're coming. I mean, that that goodwill. You know, I can't tell you how many deals I've been able to do. Just just doors I've been able to walk in just by doing that little bit extra.
4: Yeah, so the, the scale could be little as a little slight passing remark that's kind of helpful to know, all the way to the person who actually sets the schedule for the, the decision maker, right? Because like you're saying, sometimes they set the schedule, and if you want to get on the schedule, you have to talk to this person. So even if you talk to Bob, he would say, "Hey, go call Sally. She'll get you on my schedule." So Sally can reverse engineer the process and just put you on the schedule, um, and then she she walks in there and says, "Hey, uh, Bob." here's Ben Samuels, he's the guy I told you about the other day, and then all of a sudden the the, the whole ethos of the meeting changes because of that introduction. So I, I, I think it's it's um, something that's that can't be undervalued. Um, I mean, it can't be overvalued enough because people aren't really taking advantage of this. And I get it, it's, it's easy to try to go straight for the, for the top dog, but um, it goes back to that line of the water thing. You can be trying to get in touch with the top dog while also talking to the gatekeeper. There's no law against that that I'm aware of. Not in the United States, at least. No,
3: absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're trying to to accomplish a goal, why not try to take a number of different avenues to get to that goal, right? I mean, Mm. everything that you're doing is moving you closer and closer to where you want to go. You know, yeah, I think that what we're talking about today, you know, again, these are not complicated concepts, right? These are not, like, high level. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence to do these things. But, you know, for the people listening, you know, if you take the time to, It can just be as simple as one of the things that I try to do, um, and I I will fairly admit on the podcast today, I don't actually handwrite them myself. I have someone that does it for me. But but most every single meeting that I take on a first meeting, and especially after sales meetings, I'm going to write a thank you note to them Mm. and, and send a thank you note in the mail. I'm not talking about an email. I'm talking about an actual thank you note that someone has written, handwritten, put in the mail with a stamp. I think that little things like that are just kind of glossed over these days, but can be huge value adds and really get you on the radar. They they really can stick up.
4: Yeah, I had one of my sales guys doing that for a while, and he did get some feedback on that. That you know does, especially when you know if some of our bigger clients that we're dealing with, they're getting salespeople all day, every day. They they will not remember you tomorrow if you call them. Had lunch today. Hey, this is Ryan. Ryan, uh, we had lunch yesterday. We're at uh, what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you be short, short attention span because they're getting bombarded. So I think you know it actually can. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It can separate you from um that, from the noise, that, as you say.
3: That just reminded me. You you kind of gave me some crap for it, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Oh, um, no, I think nothing about you. But like a few months ago, I think this was like six weeks ago or two months ago. I got a phone call from somebody, and I forget exactly because this was a while ago. But he said something along the lines of, "This is you know Joe Smith." From such and such organization, wanted to follow up with you on the webinar that we had on such and such topic. On such topic, what did you think? Yeah, and that's all. He, that's all he said. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, you know, I'm I have a pretty good memory, but I listen to a lot of webinars and I'm like inundated with the information on a consistent basis. And so I said, you know, uh, Joe, uh, or you know, whatever his name was, Joe, that doesn't ring a bell. Can you tell me a little bit more? And he said, you know, it's from this organization. We were covering this. And this was like six weeks ago. It was sometime, I think it was like early September, maybe late August. And I said, I'm really I'm having a hard time remembering what was the date of the webinar? And he's he said where he set a date that was literally it was like, like ten weeks prior yeah, it was to like the phone call.
4: April, May or June or something. It yeah. was it was yeah. really early, yeah.
3: It was at least two months prior yeah. to the phone call. I think yeah. it was closer to three months. Yeah. And 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 I was thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, so even if I only listened to like one webinar a year. Why am I how am I supposed to remember like the int- intimate details of about, about a webinar 10 weeks prior number two there was no like preload of like here's what I'm talking about and it was like a random phone call that, that I hadn't gotten any follow-up prior and I haven't mm-hmm. gotten any follow-up since and like I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because okay so yeah that person followed up with me but they followed up way after there was that mm-hmm. gonna be any value whatsoever and also not only that it, it kind of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way the way that they presented it was, why don't you know, who, you know who I am and what I'm talking about when, right. when it was so far, you know, and so I, I say all of that to say, you know, if you're going to follow up, make sure it's, you know, it's pretty quickly afterwards. I, I would advocate for the follow-up being within 48 hours after, you know, after the, the meeting. Um, but also, you know, be cognizant of the fact that the people you're talking to are busy. They've got other things going on. And, and so, you know, to a degree, and the reason I think I'm saying bringing this up is to a degree, it's, you know, it's on you to remind them of the context, and it's on you yep. to steer the conversation. It's not on the person that you're reaching out to to remember all the details of the last conversation you had. You, so, if you're talking to somebody about like the intricate, or if you're you are in the middle of a sales process and you're talking about product specs or any a number of different things, it's not on the customer to remember those details. It's on you to remember those things and continue the conversation and, and, and you know package it up so that you're making. The other person's job is easy as possible as opposed to scrounging for details.
4: No, it's funny you say that. Cause I have a little script in my head that I use. I, I didn't, I, it's one of those things I, I just developed. And, but yeah, I, did, I wouldn't have framed it that way, but you're right. You know, so if I talk to Ben today um, and you know, it's a phone call and we're going to talk a month from now, uh, or I'm gonna call him back in a month from now. I would call him back up, say, Ben Samuels, hey hey, hey Ben, this is Ryan with R S Global. I talked to you about a month ago. We have da 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 we're doing da da da. You said to call you back. So I would do a I have a short little screw up depending on what's going on that I hit all that. The odds are Ben probably
0: won't remember. But at least at least at T Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently, so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5G, number one in customer satisfaction, and a partner who includes 5G in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. OpenSignal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network. USA 5G user experience report July 2021. Cable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See t-mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards.
1: Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero.
0: Pete! Bad news.
1: Uh, what happened?
0: I put
2: a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad.
1: How's that in my problem?
2: Oh, my laptop was up there, too.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up, I can access your stuff remotely, you won't miss a meeting.
2: I really wanted that latte, Pete.
1: For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Now he knows why I'm
4: calling back. And and so because you're right the onus is on me because I, I I used to say hey Ben I talked to you about a month ago how's it going who are you again well so and so so and so well, what, what are you calling about da 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 so now I just got I just take the script I just plug in plug and play who am I what am I doing when was the last time we talked you know hey Ben talked about lunch month ago I had coffee down at uh you know Starbucks or wherever it was we talked about this this and this just want to follow up on that see where things are at. And by, by the way,
3: before before you go any farther, one of the things that, that if you're listening to this, that's really important is that it may seem you know irrelevant or not you know, not really consequential that you say like, hey, how's it going? And then listen with the person respond, and then go into, hey, here's why I'm calling. But I think it's really important the the hey here's why I'm calling here's the you know, here's what I need from you here's how long it's going to take. How's, you know, how's it going? All is in one breath, and then you let the person talk. I think that yeah. that is really important because that allows the person to say, hey, I don't really have time for this right now. Yep. Hey, you know, you absolutely, let, you know, I remember you. Yep. Hey, I don't remember anything you just talked about. But if you say, hey, my name's Ryan Ray, how's it going? And then let them talk, then you kind of have to like backtrack and it might get a little awkward about like, hey, here's why I'm calling. Yep. You, but if you come out of the gate with everything in you know, a thirty, you know, 25, 30 seconds, right away, that allows them to not have any pressure whatsoever and allow you you to either talk more or be like, hey, this isn't the right time and, and reschedule. That's something you and I have talked about on a couple of other podcasts in the past.
4: Yeah, no, 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 you're right. The one breath thing, you gotta kind of take a deep breath for the answer, but yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have a tendency to mumble and talk too fast, so I gotta kind of slow it down, but you're right. It is. And it's one of those things where, and I would say this about most of, uh, we've talked about this some, um, I think on here, but definitely offline, is a lot of the things I've developed. Obviously, some of the things I've gotten from books, like uh, Never Split the Difference, can't emphasize that enough. Um, you know, I use some of the tactics talk about there in pretty regular now I think what,
3: quickly, I think we're gonna need like a sponsorship for that book. We, I think we've mentioned that on basically every podcast we need to get him
4: on we need to get him on the show so nate this is your cue to get him on the show but um yeah i think we need it but that that has been so helpful because it helps some of the stuff i was doing a little bit but it helped reframe how to think about conversations and like i mentioned a minute ago um thinking about the person having a boss and you know their boss. How are they going to say that book? Really, through the other th- through the things he talked about, really helped me r- remember that. And so I try to do that regularly. We had a call a few weeks ago with the with a client, and I was told, "Hey, it's going to be kind of contentious. The client's going to be, you know, uh, pretty upset." that da, da da. And you know, m- my first thing when I got on there was, um, "Hey, we understand you're not this department. You're this department. Your budgets aren't the same." Um, you know, this can be. You know, we, we need to do a better job of handling this different. We haven't. We've been thinking like the other group. We're not this group. And I went through and just took all that away. And the person, because that was part of the heartburn, Respected that they knew that I was coming to do. And I, I wasn't trying to be manipulative. I wasn't trying to be cheating. I I, I understood what the complaints were. And I sympathize with them. So I just went ahead and, and owned them all, which is part of the thing you talked about in the book, not necessarily own it, but but, but using that. Um, and it changed the whole qu- We had a great call, a great conversation, and we got off. Everyone was like, oh, wow, that went a lot better than we thought it would. But because, so I don't know how I got this tangent, but that book is fantastic. So we need to get that guy on the show because it's uh, it's great.
3: I mean, the, you, Yes, that was a tangent, but I think it's really important. I mean, since we're talking about it, one of the things that you hit on there, I'm going to say it maybe in a little bit of a different way, if you can solve or address the objection before it even comes up in the conversation, you, you've completely taken the power away from that objection. Because someone, you know, just start dialing it back and making a really generic example, somebody can't tell you, hey, I'm not gonna buy this because it's way too expensive and I can't afford it, if you've already addressed that objection mm. or, or, or talked about it mm. and, and solved that problem for them. Mm. Or, you know, if if you're talking about, hey, you know, there's a defect in the product or or you know, we're in the middle of a contract and this didn't go the right way. If you get on the phone call, own it, say, here's how we're here. You know, here's how we've addressed the problem. Here's how we're moving forward. Here's how we're going to remedy this. And here's the solution. How is, how is the customer going to come back at you and be angry and, and, and come at you for, for not doing your job or, or not following through when you've already owned up to it? And, and we complete, as opposed to you know that didn't happen, or here's right. why it's not as bad as you think, or those right. kind of things. Those those can blow up really easily, right? Yeah, you
4: know, one of the rules we kind of <laughs> try to practice, or I, and I try to practice as well, is I try to document not like a uh, like a cia documentation but i try to document you know when when a project's going on or deals going on and i you know it's it's me and ben and three other companies we're all working for maybe one person i try to document the faults in other people's um workflows so you know they were late on this or they didn't turn this in now i don't use that i just kind of i kind of keep that and and the reason is is because eventually sometimes you the, the trains come and they they, they come into a pass, and then you have to de- deploy that. Um, I generally try to be uh, t- to accommodate the other vendors um, out on the pro- project while knowing that I'm storing up enough information to wreck shop if I have to. But, but I don't want to. You, you see, I'm, I, it's not, it's, I'm not doing it because I want to do it. I'm doing it for, like, survival purposes. But to your point, one of the things we had a couple years ago, we had, um, we had someone leave, and we were in kind of a bad way with the client. And, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I had some, you know, this guy was, you know, those are the people who work on the project, wouldn't really something I was involved in. And so we, we go down to, to Houston and, and it's like four of them and two of us or something like that. And so we sit down and I said, let's, I just want to start off by saying, we haven't met your expectation. We haven't done this. And I named off, you know, all the things that I could. And then I said, this is what we're trying to do to fix it. It's a hundred percent my fault. And I take responsibility and this is what I'm going to do to change it. And then I gave them the floor. And this isn't Ryan trying to give himself an attaboy at all. I'm just saying, like, you could visibly see they kind of sat back and kind of looked around like, what what, what just happened here? You know, and guess what? We saved the client, still doing work for them. We fixed all the problems like I told them we would, and it went great because we under I got in there and understood what the problems were, worked with some of my staff to get it fixed. But we went in there, went in there, and basically said, "Here's what we have done wrong. Here's why it's wrong. We are fully ready for you to unload on us because we made this mistake." Um, and instead, they said, "Okay, well, wow, that, that." they said, I think they said that's refreshing to hear or something like that. But they were, go ahead. No, I was gonna
3: say, I mean, I think I think what you're getting at and I think what you know the point here is that it's not even necessarily about being mistake free. It's mm-hmm. about the the fact that there's so few firms or so few people that will stand in front of a vendor and say, I messed up, here's how I messed up, here's how I have addressed it. That like you said, it's 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 refreshing, it's new, it doesn't happen. And so when you do that 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 immediately garners trust immediately you know I think it you know, uh, uh, gives you a lot of favor because they know that it's not just hey I'm gonna hit you over the head with the biggest invoice possible and when things hit the fan I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna be out the door it's hey listen you know're we're, we're, we're in this for the long haul we want to you know, we'll, our, our reputation and our work product is of the utmost importance and here's how we're going to address that I think if those
4: go ahead. and I was saying and it was the lesson I had to learn when I was younger I would not deploy that um, I would be very combative um, I would blame the employees or I'd blame the client. I'd blame the deadlines. I'd blame a lot of stuff. And it wasn't necessarily me blaming it. It wasn't that it wasn't necessarily true as far as, you know, the client had under ex- expectations or this employee didn't do what i was supposed to do or, or whatever. It wasn't that it was true. But guess what? The client's boss doesn't care about my problem. And my client doesn't care about my problem, right? Because that's not his problem is that his boss is mad about something. And so, you know, being sympathetic, and, and it's really – It's really simple because we want people to be concerned about our problems and help us um, fix them. And so if you're concerned about your client, your vendor, your whomever's problem, it makes a world of difference. And it was a lesson that I will say that if you knew me when I was much younger, you would be like, oh, that guy never did that. And you would be absolutely right. I had to learn it the hard way. I had to come across like an idiot a lot of times. But it's really changed the way things happen. You can't make mistakes, major mistakes over and over again. But. It does give you credibility, especially when you answer the bill and you do fix the problem. This is our problem. This we're going to do to fix it, and you fix it.
3: I mean, one of the things I was thinking about when you were just talking is, and I don't have any personal experience in this, but I want to. I'm going to throw it to you. You know, for the people listening, think about what the power or the the difference in dynamic between you know. So so let's say one of your kids does something you know really really out of pocket at, at school that you shouldn't have done that. And they come home, and you know, you talk to them about it, and they say, "I didn't do that. What are you talking about? That, you know, that's not how that went." And they fight you tooth and nail. That's going to go, you know, that conversation is going to go one way. If you know, if the kid walks in the door after school and says, "You know, mom and dad, this is what happened. Here's what I was. You know, here's why I think it happened. Here's you know why I know I did wrong, and here's what I'm going to change about it." It's probably going to be a lot tougher to discipline the child at, this, at the same level that you would have in, in yeah. example one, right? And so that's kind of what I was thinking about: is it's like almost if you own up to the mistake, it kind of gives you a lot more power to address it and, and, and remedy it on your own terms, as opposed to deny and then you know then you can kind of get the hammer.
4: Well, you know, I'm curious, your thoughts on this is, because you may have a about this, is it better to ask permission than forgiveness? I hear that, or better ask forgiveness for permission. I hear that a lot. I am not a fan of that moniker. I'm not saying I haven't ever deployed it, but I generally don't like it. I'll tell you why, but I, I'm curious, your your gut reaction to that statement at first.
3: Yeah, I think we probably have the same gut reaction. I think that there's, I think it's one of those things that where, you know, it depends, and there's a time and place, and I think there are certain instances where, you know, you can take some certain liberties that might, you know, in the interim may not look great, but, you know, but you can get to the finish line. But in general, no, I, I certainly don't adhere to that model. I, I think that there, I think it's always best if, I mean, we've, we've talked about since literally episode one, set the expectation the right way on the front end, right? Mm-hmm. And so if mm-hmm. I were to tell you, like, if I were to say, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission, that's, to me, those are on opposite sides of the spectrum. So I'm certainly on, you know, on the front end. Yeah,
4: there's a couple things here that, that the reason it bugs me. So, it depends on, now, let's throw the extremes out. So, Ryan is unable, or Ben's unable to be communicated with, and a decision has to be made, and it's, like, got to be made now, the client's hopping them down. Okay, that's, sure, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, you know, I I had a sales guy one time come to work for me, and um, and I always tell my employees I want the information if I have the information I feel like I can make the best decisions you can call it you can just you can call whatever you want this is what I believe and if you work for me I'm paying you to give me the information so that's just how I think um, and this guy came to me and he he was getting some meetings and then he goes oh I know this guy and this guy was like super connected and he just left his job from a and he's he's looking I think he's gonna go somewhere else and I'm like why don't we hire that guy? He's like, well, it's probably too late. And I was like, well, when did he leave? And it's like right when the guy, you know, it was within the time that the guy had been working for me. Let's say he started on January 1. The guy resigned January 30th. And this is like March 15th. You know, so there's like a month and a half in there where he could have told me about this. And I'm like, why don't we hire the guy? Like, well, you know, uh, I don't know. He may already have a job. And I'm like, well, why did not you tell me about this? He goes, well, I didn't want to play all my good cards up front. I'm like, well, there's no card to play now. Like, the cards, the cards, like, if you would have played all your good cards, I don't know if we'd have been to hire this guy or not, but this would have been a pretty big hire. It's like, you should have given me the information, and then I could have decided if it was even valuable for us or not. We could have pursued it. Maybe, we, you know, if at the end of the day, an employee of mine, if I say, go do this, and it turns out disastrous, then it's on me. I told him to do that, and I can live with that. It's It's those kind of, um, well, I thought I would figure it out, and, you know, I didn't really think through it, and now we have this disaster result. Those are the ones that are hard to swallow because I can live with my mistakes. I make plenty of them. I am not perfect, um, but I understood the rationale. I knew the bigger picture, and so the, the, when you ask for permission or the forgiveness aspect uh, over permission is you're almost saying to the higher authority because that's who you have to go to as a higher authority. That's the point there, um, that you know more than they do. You have more facts than they do. Sometimes that's true. A lot of times it's not true and, and because they have more information. And so it's really tough for me to, to, to swallow that one when it comes across my desk.
3: Absolutely. So for those that are listening that are in a more traditional sales role, here's what I would tell you. Part of your job, maybe not, maybe not a, a majority of your job, but part of your job is to be the ears and eyes on the ground for the people above you. To, to be the people with the finger on the pulse and that doesn't mean making sales I'm, i mean you know when you're at the taco shop around the corner be listening and if you hear something that you think may you know, may be relevant forget of value just relevant make a note of it tell the people that, that are above you those are some easy ways for you to provide value number one number two just like you said someone that has boots on the ground that you know let's say that i'm an SWD operator and I'm standing on you know, boots on the ground at the S, you know the saltwater disposal site, and you know landowner comes over to me and starts just talking about some stuff happening. I may not have any idea if any of that information is valuable, but if I can regurgitate that to the people, you to the person that I'm reporting to, they may know a lot more than I do, and that That's, may be yes. oh my God, you ju- you just unlocked the key. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for that information, but but on the ground you would have no idea what you know whether it was relevant or not. So. You know, forget the filter. My, I would advocate if you're on the if you have boots on the ground, one of the easiest ways for you to be on the radar in a good way, possibly get promotions, be in line for incentives, tell the people above you everything you're hearing, because that that is the key. I mean, I have people that like, I have people that I pay an hourly wage to that basically their only job is to be a finger on the pulse and to be my eyes and ears on the ground in places that I can't have those boots on the ground. I, I mean, it's, it can be massive.
4: Yeah, and, and sometimes, this uh, uh, to piggyback on what you're saying there, sometimes people hear that and they go, oh, my gosh, if so I've reported everything to my bosses, I'd be bogged down. It's pretty simple. Hey, Ben, uh, SWDs, are we involved? Do we buy involved or Are we tied up with SWDs anyway? Ben says yes, forward on the information. Ben says no. Okay, well, th- today I'm not going to pass on this f- two-hour story. I'm just going to move on. Three weeks from now, though, hey, Ben, SWDs keep coming up again. Is that are we sure we're not involved with that anyway? Um, so it doesn't have to be... The full conversation. It doesn't have to be the full. It could be something very simple that says, "Hey, I heard about uh, Concho today. Is uh, are we targeting those guys? Yes, no, whatever. Uh, because as you say, it can it can unlock it for the supervisor. And, and it, it's short, it's sweet. Um, that's but but what will happen if you're if you're giving me that information and you keep saying SABDs and we're not involved, I'm probably going to start looking to get involved, right? So if you keep telling me three or four times a week you're hearing about sBDs you're hearing sBDs and we're not involved, I'm probably going to go, hmm." Maybe we should start getting involved. So I'm going to start calling around while you're, because you're hearing about it. That means I need to be acting on it. So um, so keep that in mind. I think that, that that's what you're saying is exactly right. To get promotions, to bring benefit to those above you, um, is this to be able to pass along that information let them tr- they, i think it's as the trade-off information that's what anyone at a high level is, is really doing you're trading off information trying to figure out what it is that you you know what you know what you don't know um, if tomorrow we start hearing about a certain thing in the oil and gas industry we will start looking on how to capitalize on that thing if that's close enough for us if not can we partner with someone if it's too far away you know um and, and so yeah i i, I think you've, you i think that was a great point you brought up there don't don't you know? Don't ruin a good moment. Don't ruin a good moment. I I just
3: it doesn't happen very
4: often on this podcast and I'm like
3: less speechless. But you, that was like that actually that sounded like a genuine compliment that was nice. It was like somewhat accurate. I just didn't know where to take it from there. I'm, i I was momentarily thrown off. I apologize.
4: I'm back on my game now. In this relationship, <laughs> I don't ask for forgiveness or permission. just to be clear. No, we're, somehow we got we got past that point. I don't, I don't know how, but somehow
3: we're you know just a little um, arrow slinging.
4: <laughs> uh, how are we doing on time today? We have about we... five, maybe 10 minutes if we really push it.
3: We're getting close. We're getting close.
4: Um, yeah, you know, I, I think those were
3: some great points. I, I, I had a follow-up in the middle of what you were talking about, but I, but you had so many good points that it got lost on me. Actually, to circle back to something we have talked about previously, you, there was something that you said that I don't have my piece of paper and a pen out uh, to, to write down because I was going to say something in response. And I didn't do that, so I failed uh, my own mission here.
4: Um, So I do want to talk about something. One of the things that you have inspired me, and can we cut that from the tape, please? Um, You have inspired me. You said it, not me. One of the things that I used to do, and I, I stopped doing, I think I said on the show, is I used to write notes of my list and my task, and I've gotten back to that. And I ain't saying it works for everyone. But for me, it is so effective that here is this all my tasks. and I don't want to show them on the podcast because it's not, not for podcast consumption. But but here is here it is, and so what I do is I just have a page and I just write down what it is. It's short stuff. It's like one is Denver list. That's simply I'm going to Denver. I got a list of people to do um, to meet with, and so and then in the back of the book I, I write the list down when I start work on that. And I just I scratch them off, and then after that list covers the whole page, I put an X at the bottom. And then I rewrite the tasks that I didn't scratch off on the next page, which helps me remember to, to you know helps me remember to do them. But then, so I have a whole page here. Now Mondays are pretty bad because I can't do anything. So this came over the weekend. I, I kind of rejotted down this list. But let me tell you something. My I have gotten more stuff, small stuff, and some big stuff done over the past week because I've gotten back into that mode, and um, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm digging it, and it's uh, I kind of owe you some partial credit for that, as much as it pains me to say.
3: So I'm curious. One of the things I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast, and we may have talked about it, but since you brought it up again, I'm, I'm curious. Um, one of the things that I find myself doing a lot of times is I'll, I do the same thing. I've got a written list. I was actually looking for it while you were talking, but I, I, I don't have it right in front of me. Um, but there are times where I will write a task down that I've already completed, just to be able to cross it off. Just, it's, it's just it's just one of those things. That like it, so, if I'm sitting there on, um, on a Monday morning, so a lot of times. I find myself doing these lists either at the very beginning of a day or at the very end of a day, and at the very beginning of a week or the very end of the week. And mm-hmm. so I, I did. I did this morning. I wrote, first thing, I, the very first thing I did in, uh, this morning was I wrote down the to-do list of. And generally, what I'm thinking about when I'm doing it is, if there's you know same day items that have to get done, seven day items, and then thirty day items. I kind of like to parse it out in those three buckets because mm-hmm. that way it gives me an idea of okay, so these are the things that I have to get done like right now. These are the things that are on, are on the radar, but yeah, you know, I have a little bit of time, and these are some things that are just kind of on the horizon because that allows me to kind of be always kind of ever present in, in my to-do list. Uh, but there are definitely times where I will write. So, like this morning, I um, what was it? I had oh, I, I had to um, buy a couple of plane flights and, and organize some transportation stuff, and I and I had done that yesterday, but I wrote it down and I crossed it off just to kind of like little you know little like out of one you on the back get gets one more thing done i don't know
4: well Uh no i I don't do that but i tell you once you start you know as i look here some of these things are immediate and some of these things are things that i just like um one of the things here is um i'm looking at some franchises that I'm, i'm considering maybe investing in or whatnot so that's something that i don't have to do today i don't You know, it could be today, it could be next month, it could be, you know, next week. There's no, there's no rush, there's no timetable. But I keep putting it on there because I need to be reminded, or three months will go by and I won't have thought about it. And then I'll be like, oh, God, I should have, I should have looked into that. And so, I, I know that when I pull my list up, I can evaluate the urgency of them and the things. So I don't I don't categorize mine as right as they come to me, but uh, that's just a personal preference. Nothing wrong with it in any, any other way. I just, I just I just like having a list of this is all the stuff I've got to do. And, of course, it's literally not everything i got to do. There's other stuff, but, um, but it does help. And, you know, I don't necessarily get the satisfaction off of crossing them off. That's not really for me. It's just that, like, there was this weekend, there was two or three things, and it's the fear of forgetting I don't have to worry about. That's the big thing, is the fear of forgetting. Because guys like me and you, we have ideas coming in all the time, and I'm sure the listeners do too. You got ideas all the time coming through your head, coming through your head, coming through your head, and some of that stuff it's like, okay, let me let me put this down. Um, and I have some. You talked about doing some kind of content stuff. I have some content ideas. You know, I, I was at Denny's the other day, and uh, on Saturday, I, I didn't tell you about this, did I? No. So I was at Denny's, and it was, it was after my son's judo tournament on Saturday, and so we're sitting there. And um, next to us was, uh, we're in a booth, and next to us was the, like a little barricade and then the drinks and the kitchen. Okay. And so, this, I guess the manager, she starts having a sales meeting on the other side of the drink machine. So she is talking towards us. So her voice is projecting towards us, and she's talking about the sales of the, upse- the upselling stuff, like, uh, you know, milkshakes or extra waffle or, w- or whatever it was. And so she starts going through the numbers of all the stuff and how they're not hitting it compared to other national sales. Now, I'm sitting here with uh, my, my wife and I got four kids. So my wife and one kid had left. But I'm sitting here with myself and other three kids. And so she's going through this and she's loud. I mean, I'm a loud talker too, so I'm sympathetic. But she's loud and she's projecting and it's like, I don't want to hear about you trying to upsell me while I'm physically in your restaurant. Okay? Like, this is a bad idea. And... And so she goes through it, and then she, and then she, I think she cussed once, and she cussed twice. And I'm like, "Hey, I'm sitting here with my kids." And she goes, "Oh, oh, uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I I, 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 as soon as I said it, I wasn't thinking. I'm like, uh, I'm like, well, it's a little bit ridiculous. And it was, it was the absurdity of the, of the cursing on top of the fact that you're having a sales meeting four feet from me while I'm eating at two o'clock in the afternoon." On top of that, I didn't get any service the whole time you have the sales meeting because you're having my waiter stand there and listen to you drone on about trying to upsell. And so the whole thing was absurd to me. Um, And and so it frustrated me because of... And so anyways, with that being said, I thought that's a good content idea. is how not to, you know, why you shouldn't talk about sales numbers in front of customers. So I got the book out and I wrote that down. So I don't have to think about it anymore. But writing it down, thinking it has... Help me churn it out in the back of the book. I'll kind of, I'll kind of go through there and flesh out some some points I want to hit or think about them. But um, but I do I do use it for that as well. That I can write down ideas on something I want to talk about at a later date, and then the back of the book I can go and kind of create almost like a fake blog post to kind of write out some outlines or some high points or things I want to hit on. And there's no pressure. It's just it's just there whenever I want to come back to it. It's there. If I never use it, so be it. But probably on the podcast one day this story will come up again or something about the story or some, you know, so it, it's good because I thought that was a prime example of I'm not getting service now. You're compl- you're not complaining. You're lecturing your wait staff on why y'all aren't making sales. You have a customer right here who can't get a refill. And then I've got small children and you're using profane language. Like the irony is not, it, it, should, it should be there upon you of why maybe you're struggling. And I, I don't really care, you know, and like, you know, my, my kids have heard curse words before. I'm not overly offended by cursing. I, it was just the, it was like, are we not, do we not see what's happening here? And and then this guy's going to come and he's going to ask me if I want a piece of, piece of strawberry shortcake after I heard you lecture him about, I mean, no, I'm not going to buy it now. He didn't, thank goodness. But no, I would not buy it on principle alone. So, I, I, anyway, sorry, I got to on that tangent again.
3: There's a, there's a Burger King joke in there somewhere. There
4: I'm is a Burger King joke in I'm, there somewhere. I'm not gonna make it, but there's one in
3: there somewhere. Um, no, I think that's a great point. I, I think that that kind of that little snippet of a story is a very good example of what not to do. That that is like that's the antithesis of the first fourteen episodes of this podcast, right? Yep. So. I, I know we're hard on time. One of the things that I wanted to, uh, to briefly touch on because you, know, you mentioned it a couple of times and I think it's valuable and something that I, I actually, I want to hear your feedback on because it's something that I think about consistently. So, you know, for, for those that are maybe listening to the podcast that are kind of just getting started in their career or maybe the type that uh, like to have a more singular focus and maybe not, uh, you know, move as fast paced as you and I. Um, one of the things that I have found in my day to day life these days, quote unquote, is, you know, things that are actionable, hot items, you know, sometimes it takes me a week, maybe two weeks to get even to like the highest of the priority things. I think what I, I guess at a high level, what I'm painting is that the the sales cycle or even the communication cycle sometimes for me can be pretty long. You know, if someone emails me and says, hey, I need a little bit of your time, you know, there are times where I just functionally don't have the bandwidth to even engage on that for two or three weeks, even though it's something that I want to engage yeah. on and I, and I want to do. Um, and, and I know that there are times where I will reach out to someone and they'll say, you know, Hey, you'll know, get back to me in a month or get back to me in six weeks. And, you know, there are times where I will take that as I didn't provide the right value or I didn't say that the right way or they're pushing me off when realistically it's just, Hey, I've got too much on my plate right now. I can get to you, but it's going to be a little while. What would you say in terms of, you know, uh, to the people listening, how to kind of balance, you know, find that balance between respecting, you know, the fact that sometimes it's just going to take the stakeholder or take the business owner some time to get back to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean a rejection. um, But also it's not necessarily, in my opinion, an invitation to become more aggressive and more, more persistent. I think there's something to be said for, you kind of have to, read the, read the room, read the person. What, what would you say to that? And also, I mean, do you find the same thing? I mean, you know, like I said, for, for me, it just takes some time, you know, some, sometimes it takes extra time to get something on top of my plate, even though it is something that, you know, that I do want to act on.
4: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's, um, I think it goes back to where we started at, which is about having a lot of lines in the water. You know, if everything that you are working on is dependent on this one person getting back to you, the pressure to make that call perfect, the follow-up email perfect, the handwritten note perfect, it's really overwhelming because if this person doesn't get back to you immediately, you almost feel like your your whole business is going to fall apart. Um, and so I think the I like to have a lot of lines in the water. I like to have a lot of people that I'm talking to I like to know um, that that if um, one deal doesn't happen that there's other deals in the pipeline so I've gotten better about being able to take that, and that's strictly a function of having more lines in the water. If I have three lines in the water, I get really nervous. I want to press it. I want to pressure the person to get back to me. If I've got 100 different lines and Ben can't talk to me today, I've got 99 more I need to go check. And and then I'll just make a note, call Ben six weeks like he asked, send a follow-up email, thanks for your time, and then in six weeks I'm following up. So for me, I handle that best by having a lot of lines in the water because I don't get focused on – being not getting back to me. I've got 99 other things to do. If I've got three things, then I get really paranoid on, did I call him at the right time? Uh, Should I follow up? He said six weeks, but maybe three weeks be better. And I start talking myself into almost losing the sale because um, I'm going against his wishes. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really valuable. I think that it's frankly, I think it's different when you're talking about what, you know, what you and I do versus, you know, the boots on the ground sales guy that's working for, you know, x y company right because they're you know they may be sterilized into okay this is your territory and it's a finite territory so you have a finite number of customers and so there may be to a degree there may be only so far you can you kind of put out those lines if you will uh but no i think that's really valuable um what i would say is you know there's always i I take those opportunities to you know become more effective and more efficient and uh, meaning that if, if you're if you're waiting, you know, if the sales cycle is a little, little bit longer for what you're doing, I would advocate for, you know, finding other ways to get in front of new customers or you reinvent the wheel and, and kind of try to, you know, f- figure out some ways to to expand your reach. Um, but yeah,
4: so I think that... i to cut you off there. Ben is cutting up a little bit, so let me kind of reiterate what he said in case it didn't come through on the audio there. Essentially, what he said is... Um, if you're in direct sales and you might not have exactly the ability to float as wide as Ben and I are. So keep that in mind. But if you are kind of a, a regional salesperson, you might want to look to add your add more, you know, re- figure out ways to get more lines in the water. It was kind of a synopsis of it. I don't know if that's the internet connection or the microphone there, Ben. But we do need to wrap it up on time. Listeners, thank you so much. We'll be back for episode 15 next week. Uh, until then, keep climbing.
1: Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened?
2: I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad.
1: How's that my problem?
2: Oh, my laptop was up there too.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting.
2: I really wanted that latte, Pete.
1: For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero.
2: Pete, bad news.
1: Uh, What happened?
2: I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad.
1: How's that my
2: problem? Oh, my laptop was up there too.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting.
2: I really wanted that latte, Pete.
1: For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with Connection.